Hey guys, Chris Walker here, founder of TravelFit, if you didn't already know. This is going to be the first ever episode for the podcast in progress. And I'm really excited, but I'm also really nervous. I thought about changing topics for this episode so many times, and it kept leading back to this one episode, because this is the only real way to start the podcast. It's the only real way for you to all understand why I created TravelFit and why there's so much passion for the purpose of TravelFit. From a guy a few years ago when I was living in a small country town, there was a point where I didn't think I was going to make it to 25. That's how deep we're going to get today. Without further ado, this is the first ever episode called Who is Chris Walker? Like most things in life, experiences, obstacles, challenges, whatever you want to call them, there's always that question that we always ask ourselves and that's, why me? Why me? Why doesn't else someone... Why doesn't someone else have this? I don't deserve to have this in my life. But that's not right. We're being faced with a challenge so we can grow as a person, so we can experience life, and so we can educate others through our own personal development. Throughout life, I've had some really interesting experiences that have helped me grow a huge amount. And I'm so grateful that I've had these experiences. Most of the time, people do one or two things. They'll either reject the challenge in front of them and go into a hiding hole and say they don't want to deal with that. And then they constantly live an unhappy life full of self-sabotage, blaming others, and never really overcoming the obstacle at hand. I understand there's a lot of challenges that people face every day but it's up to us whether we make the decision to actually overcome them. And only we can create our real happiness. And that doesn't start until we start facing the things in front of us. The other thing is you can be the person that faces the challenge, takes accountability, stops blaming other people for their unhappiness in life and progresses through life quicker and further than most other people. I was um, born in Canberra in the ACT in Australia. I lived there for a few years. My memories I have there aren't really that well known. All I remember is bits and pieces. I was, as I was born, um, my father left when I was born, so I didn't have a father in my life. I know his first and last name. I don't know where he is. I've searched out of curiosity and I never found found him. I'm thankful that that happened to me because I wouldn't be where I am today if that didn't happen. That forced me to grow and be more independent. My mother was also born with spina bifida so she was unable to walk um when she was first born and throughout her entire life till now. 
having those two things at the start of a new beginning, a new life, a new journey was a challenge that made me grow up quite quick, quicker than others at times. Going through life, I always questioned myself of why did, you know, why did my father leave me? What was the real reason? Did I do something? Was it me? Did I not deserve to have a father in my life? These were the thoughts I was having in primary school through to high school. And I remember throughout primary school and high school, people making fun of me because I didn't have a dad and that he left because he didn't love me and, you know, that I was different. And, you know, that was quite a hard thing to deal with throughout life because you constantly question yourself and when you have someone else, such a negative society disapproving your life because you're not normal, as everyone says, nothing's fucking normal, thank you very much. The people who think they're normal are the people who live a life unhappy and wake up when they're 50 and they say, fuck, what am I doing? Normal doesn't exist. That's why personal growth through challenges and obstacles are what make real people. People who face challenges in life are the people that help motivate, inspire other people to be better humans, physically and mentally. And I'm so passionate about how our society may reject the difference that someone has compared to them. I'm just so passionate about changing that outlook that people have. Throughout high school, it was quite quite a daunting time. You know, you're going through different stages of your life and there's some questions that you feel, you know, your mother can't answer, unfortunately, sometimes. If I get a girlfriend, how, how do I get a girlfriend? What do I do? Blah, blah, blah. Why do I feel this way? How do I shave? Just basic questions that um, I felt I couldn't get answered at times because I don't really think YouTube was around then. Maybe it was. I fucking don't remember. But um, So those kind of things were always boggling on my mind. Through till um, year nine, I actually wasn't able to read, write. Um, my communication was horrible, and I did go to a speech uh, speech therapist at one point, speech therapist, pretty sure. Um, so growing up, was I was always facing some kind of adversity, some kind of challenge that was in my way. And, you know, I got picked on for quite a long time for being different, not being able to read, write. My communication, interpersonal skills were absolutely horrible. And it always made me question, was I ever actually going to be happy in life or is this the life that I have to get used to? After I learned and um, progressed myself, thankfully to a lot of teachers, assistants, um, who took extra time to help me uh, level up my um, reading, writing and so on, I was actually, as they say, labelled with an intellectual disability labelled, horrible word, Um, no one should be labelled, we should all just be ourselves. Um, So that was quite hard being bullied by a lot of people in high school, Um, 
being beat up at times was a bit of a challenge. I didn't really tell my mother if I ever got like punched in the face or um, got teased. It's some things that I kept to myself. I wasn't very open or emotional person at the time. I just dealt with it. Um, as I was growing up, I worked at uh, McDonald's for five years. Throughout that time, in once I was in year 11 in high school, I remember working one weekend and I got a call off my auntie saying that my mother had been in hospital because she bro- had broken her elbow. Um, and I was quite worried at the time and I was, I was concerned. I was like, what's happening? Uh, what can we do? Um, what do I, do I leave work? And she's like, no, just finish your shift and then see me after your mother's fine. She's just in hospital. We'll talk about it after. So I met with my auntie after and she picked me up. Um, and I didn't even think at the time because my mother (laughs) couldn't walk. She was on crutches. She couldn't hold herself up anymore. So for the next 10 months, my mother had to go to rehabilitation, which was in a completely different town, which is about 30 to 45 minutes away. This time I didn't have my license. Um, And I was essentially, I felt quite alone. I stayed with a few close friends um, for a few months and I decided I I wanted to leave. I couldn't do it anymore. I wanted to just be on my own in the house. So turned 17 I asked my mother if I could stay in the house um our house and she said yep you're legal age you do you um just work school and that's it I'm trusting you at the time I was hanging around a absolutely horrible crowd they were influencing me in a point to go down the wrong track I was drinking every weekend um I was smoking cigarettes I was just being an absolute horrid child going to parties throwing away schoolwork just not interested I just really partied and worked at the age of 17 trying to fill the void in my life of my mother being away and having no one really else there um, to support me or that I was willing to accept it was pretty hard for me to accept help off others because I just didn't want to be you know I didn't want to be someone's little project to help and I I was happy being independent but I also felt like I just didn't have anyone around for to love me and it was quite hard for my mother at the time because obviously she was so concerned about me and going through this rehabilitation we didn't know it was going to go for so long so there was no real answer when she'd get out after I was in the house for I think it was about six weeks. My mother got a call at 4am saying that I'd been arrested. I I got caught drink driving on my learner's permit. Again, hanging around the wrong people. I was drunk. I was just doing whatever anyone else said. Because of the my father left I always constantly was seeking approval of other people and I think at that moment in time when I felt so isolated so alone I was just seeking approval of other people and trying to impress people I was sad alone and just wanted human communication and I just thought that was the best way to do it I guess by trying to impress people 
which is really stupid and silly. It was, it was horrible. I, I picked up the phone um, after it was handed to me by the police officer and, of course, mum said she's really disappointed in me and that this hurt my soul quite a bit. So um, she said, yeah, disappointed, but it's okay. I'll get someone to pick you up tomorrow morning. So I stayed in the cell for the night. It was the worst experience I had. I felt, I felt so disappointed in myself, like I'd let myself down, my mother down, my whole family. I thought, fuck, this is it. Like I fucked my life up. There's, there's nothing really that I can do now. Like, am I fucking like a criminal? Like, what happens? And it was really daunting because. Still to this day, I have um, two charges against my name. And it's been nearly nearly nine years. Because of the offence, it's on my record for um, quite a while until it gets cleared. But I don't know when that'll be. I felt like I was... That was like the start of when I started to really feel like I just felt depressed and sad and was going down a like really hard path in life. Throughout the next few months, um, after I got arrested, I did go to my uncle's for two weeks where that was a challenge. Every morning, every night, you've fucked up your life. You're an idiot. What have you done? It may have been out of love, but it was still so hard. Um, that was when I kind of like spiraled a bit out of control. I got really severely depressed. I didn't know what depression was. I didn't know what anxiety was. I just knew that I was fucking sad as fuck every day. And I questioned myself every day. I really questioned whether I had a future. And... You know, eventually after two weeks were up, after I did, you know, the punishment of two weeks, um, I went back to my hometown, which was Orange. I um, stayed with my auntie for two months and then I just started hanging around the ba a bad crowd again. I didn't learn my lesson. I continued to drink. I continued to try and avoid the problems in my life by drinking because I thought that was the right thing to do. Being from a place like Orange, you know, that's what people do, they, they drink. I'm not saying everyone, but I'm saying like when I was growing up, all I knew, I only knew people, friends who were drinking. So I thought that was what you do. And you know, there's always the saying, have a beer, you'll be right. Which is what has eventually killed people in life as well, unfortunately. And that was, that was pretty daunting um, to know over the time, like reflecting even now that so many people say, you'll be right, and then the next day they're dead. When they should have been like, let's figure this out, what's wrong? That's one of the biggest issues in our society today. That's why people are constantly killing themselves. And that's something I want to change. But we'll get to that in a minute.
So I was continuing to drink and self-sabotage my way through high school and through life at that point. After I, um, my auntie couldn't control me, I had to move into a residential care um, house. And that was pretty daunting for the fact that there, was pe- there were people there that I know stabbed someone. And I was like, I don't want to be here. I don't deserve to be this. Why am I here? This is not the place I need to be right now. I sh- don't deserve to be here. But I did deserve to be there because I was a piece of shit who got caught drink driving and started hanging around the ba- a bad crowd and didn't take responsibility for my actions. That's accountability to me. You need to take accountability of what you've done and move forward, not continue to do the bad same thing. That's self-sabotaging right there. A prime example. You know, and all the people there we all deserve to be there no one was a bad person they were all beautiful people and that's something I learned as I was staying there that's when I started to get my life together I started just to work and to go to school to finish my studies I still continued to drink every weekend that was just my habit that was just what I'd created and that was the way I was dealing with things but not as highly as I was thankfully as the midway uh, sorry the end the start of year 12 um, my mother had finished a rehabilitation we moved into our house it was a new chapter finally finally I could have a home again and have my mother go to work and school and feel like I had a place had a home again it was such a surreal feeling and it was a journey that I just didn't think would ever happen to me. As I finished year 12, I was so grateful. There were so many people in life that told me I'd never do it. I wasn't smart enough. And I just remember getting my certificate and I was just like, I fucking made it. I did it. And I was so proud of myself. Throughout life, I've always had people tell me I'd never do something or if I was working towards saying something, I'd never achieve it. I've proved those people wrong every time, and I'll continue to do so. As the new year came in, I started working in a bottle shop and a bar, and I had a gap year. That's when drinking for me kind of escalated. I started drinking on a more casual basis Monday to Friday, Monday to Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, I'd binge. That was the the sole filler for me at that time. That's how I was dealing with the sadness that I felt and the sadness I hadn't dealt with. I thought drinking was the way to, you know, just living life. You work and you drink, and that's a good life. And I remember one night, my mother came into the lounge room. She said, what are you doing? And I was just like, I'm just having a drink. She's like, you've had three long necks of, um, I think it might have been like some kind of spirit. And I was like, 
fuck. I think I've got a got a bit of an issue with this. Um, so I was an alcoholic. I did that for a long time. I slowed it down maybe at the end, the start of 2013. So throughout 2012, I just drank and worked and partied and that's the way that I dealt with my emotions and my feelings. I couldn't open up as a person. Uh, when I was sober, I just struggled to, so I drank and then I opened up. And I think that's all I really wanted. I just wanted human connection. I wanted to express myself, but I didn't know how. And the only way I could stress myself was by drinking. At the start of 2013, I enrolled in to do my certificate three and four in fitness. That's when I started to change my life. From 2011, I started working out, but I was still drinking quite a lot every night and every weekend. In 2013, when I was doing my certificates in um, fitness, I really, just that the insecurity that I wouldn't make it again kept coming up. I was getting severely depressed again, well, still depressed the whole time. Um, and it was midway through and I just said to my teacher, I was like, I just can't do this. It's I'm not smart enough for this. I can't make it. I'm not going to make it. I was lacking sleep because I was working till late at night, getting up at 5, getting the bus at 5.30, getting to the TAFE, which was 30 minutes away, the college, sorry, um, waiting a few hours, starting class, finishing class, getting a bus back to um, my country, the country town, Orange, and working again late till night. And that was the cycle I did for quite a while. I didn't have my license at this point. I tried, actually, to be honest, and I failed, and I just didn't go back for a bit. I didn't want to deal with the rejection again, so I didn't try for a while. After I um, had to talk to my teacher, and they said, yeah, you can do it. We'll support you as much as we can. We see you in class. We see you when you nearly fall asleep in class because you're so tired. We know you want it, and you can do it. You just have to believe in yourself and you just have to keep coming. So I did. I kept going um, each day that college was on and I eventually finished my certificate three and four in fitness. I was proud of myself. I finally did that. I felt like I had a career ahead of me. I felt like I was going somewhere again. Just before um, I finished my certificate three and four in fitness, I had a the first kind of close death to me. One of my friends had had a drug overdose. Um, he was having a big night apparently, um, and he was just partying and just unfortunately took too much. The sad thing that really hit me, I felt instant guilt was. I thought two weeks prior he asked me to hang out with him and catch up and I said no, I've got assignments to do. I'll we'll try catch up soon. And I always questioned myself for I questioned myself for a long time. I was like, if I if I went there would could I have said something like maybe just ease off, have a break, you know, 
but for a very long time before I moved moved overseas at one point in my life, um, I questioned myself a lot. And after that, I really went into a dark place. I just, it, it was just something that held me. Like I felt like, fuck, like this, this is what the world's like. And I didn't really know how to go from there. I was just shocked and started to drink quite a bit again. And it wasn't till uh, 2014 after I finished my studies and um, kept going through life that I decided to try and move away, get out of Orange. So I moved to Port Macquarie. I lasted a month. It was a good experience while it lasted, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. 2014 was a really big year for me because that's the year that I I finally connected with someone and I had a relationship where I accepted love. And this person that my partner at the time was such a big influence in my life because she's the one who helped me identify that I was depressed severely and I had high anxiety. I didn't even know what that was like when we were going through it and she helped influence me to go get help. I'm so ever grateful for that. Little did she know that at that point, like I didn't tell her, I didn't tell my family. I had two really close friends that I told that I was really questioning my life at a lot a lot. I was really considering suicide. I was considering killing myself, um, which is fucking horrible like horrible to say and it it sounds so bad saying it, but I felt at that point in time like I literally felt alone and I felt like I didn't have anyone and I didn't even I didn't understand why I was upset every day and it was it was such a breakthrough to realize that getting help might help me. Two months after I'd seen, I was going once a month to this psychologist and two months after, unfortunately, I went to my partner's house at the time and she said, I just, this isn't working. I, I don't love you anymore. Being your first love, it feels like someone's actually pulling your heart out, stomping on it and then maybe spitting and kicking on it, kicking it around a bit. I was heartbroken. I felt like... I was a soulless man, I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat for weeks. And that doesn't look too good when you're a personal trainer in a gym and you lose 12 kilos in a week. It was a really rough time for me, but I'm really glad that she influenced me to go see a psychologist because that psychologist got me into a really good place. As the year went on, I decided I was going to move overseas. Um, so I quit my gym job, started private, doing um, private training with people, uh, got bar work and bo- worked in a bottle shop again. And after a few months, I paid for my tickets, my insurance, um, 
everything was set to move overseas to London. And it was crazy, like, at the end, just before, a week before I was about to fly overseas, I saw my psychologist and I said, I'm happy. And it was, man, like, it was such a surreal experience. Like, I'd never felt so calm, so content. Like, I never really felt that happy in my life. Like, I felt like I, I was going places. I felt like I had my life in order again. I felt like I had so much more self-awareness. I felt like I was going to make it. Now, as I um, as I moved overseas, I was on the plane and it was crazy. I was flying over and we, I landed, and it was it was it was just ridiculous. It was such a surreal feeling. I was walking around London. I I got out of Orange. It was I was like I've made it. I've made it. Like you. It was such a good feeling to know that I was getting out and that I had my emotional um, connection to myself in order. I was the person controlling my emotions. I felt happiness. I felt sadness when I, when something happens or I chose or like I had so much self-awareness of how I could act, think and feel. And it was astounding. I could embrace how beautiful nature is how beautiful buildings are with the history how long they've been there how good it is to connect with people and the experiences you get just exploring and living there was so much inspiration around me and it was so beautiful to see and feel that and I just can't explain how happy and content I was. This is when I started to really work on myself. I started reading and started working on like mindset strategies more and understanding what is self-sabotaging, why do we act in certain ways, um, and just going over general mindset training. Prior to me moving overseas, I said I had suicidal thoughts, but there were times where I nearly, you know, I nearly did it, and it was one of it was a scary moment. So many scary moments where I had friends who would meet me on the side of a road and. I'd be crying and I just didn't know how to continue and it was traumatic for me and them and I was on a cliff one day and I I was so close to not really making it to the age of 25. I literally remember questioning myself like, am I going to make it? Is it worth it? Is it worth all this pain? Are these challenges really good for me? Will I get over it? I'm super grateful that I persisted and 
I took accountability to move forward because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here today. And I could only imagine what if I never met the first real relationship, the real partner that I had at the start, would I still be here as well? Now, as I traveled throughout Europe as I was living there for two years, I was so thankful that I had the opportunity to work at five-star hotels, one of them being a particular one, over 200 years old, over 300 years old actually, where celebrities, influencers, politicians and the highly rich used to be a getaway during the war. It was also one of the most astounding, beautiful places that I've ever seen. The service was five-star and the absolute detail that goes into everything, polishing cutlery to crockery, the right mannerisms to have, the practice that went into serving food and talking to people was ridiculous. The pay scale was horrible, but the experience was one I'll never forget. I remember one evening I was lucky enough to meet um, a really highly influential person. And we were all working and we got selected to work the event. There was a back area where um, she could come through and have something to eat if she'd like. Obviously she wouldn't because it's a bit too risky. Um, But she walked through, she powered through and just as the As the car pulled up before she walked through, we found out who it was. And it was the Queen. Prior to this, three years ago, that was something I said I wanted to do. That was on my vision board, to meet the Queen and to meet celebrities and to see the five-star kind of lifestyle. And that's what I got from this hotel. And I just remember looking her in the eyes and bowing and she bowed back and looked me in the eyes and I just, then at that moment I was like, people are just people. Everyone deserves the same respect. I always knew that it was good to be kind and selfless, but I never really understood until that moment for some weird reason that people are people we shouldn't treat anyone differently. Prior to that, I did host an event with 30,000 people involved called the Good Deed Challenge. I wanted to help people, but I still didn't even understand why I did it. I just followed my instincts and created it. We all have these gut feelings and ideas that will come up and I'll follow every single one that comes up each time because that's you're one decision away from changing your life. If I never saw that psychologist, I wouldn't have gone overseas. I wouldn't have taken a risk to move somewhere for two years. Later through traveling in 2015, uh, 2016, after I saw a few countries, I did events around Europe, um, going to things like the La Tomentina, the tomato fight, and seeing lots of festivals, cultural festivals around Europe. Um, it was just opened my eyes to so much how people can be so kind. Again, the buildings, the experiences, the friends you meet along the way and the stories you have. The things that really fulfill your soul. 
during this time, it wasn't until uh, March 2016 that I had this moment and I thought, what am I actually going to do with my life? Am I going to go back to Orange and do the same thing or what's my plan? I thought, how can I live my life with enjoyment like I am now? And how can I help people? And it was like I'd been electrocuted by an electric fence and I thought, travel fit. Travel fitness. Helping people, a healthy mind and body, and traveling. The three things, mind, body, and soul. Creating a real balance in life. Helping people educate themselves and other and essentially saving lives. And I remember the first real culture shock I had after I thought about this travel fit. It, I thought about it, I, you know, I told some people, and I was like, it sounds really good. And they're like, yeah, it sounds amazing. But no one really knew how excited I was. I, the feeling just talking about it now gives me goosebumps because I know it's going to change the world. It's going to create a community. It's created to bring a community together and to help people be their best selves. After that, I continued to travel around Europe throughout the year. Um, At the time, I had a partner. And I remember it was one country that really stood out to me in the end, which was uh, Morocco. The people there were so kind. They were so giving. I remember... a guy came up to me and said, this is your country too, enjoy it, have fun, be safe. And I thought, how wonderful is that? He took time to come up towards us and tell us to be safe, have a good time and enjoy his country and that it's our country. And that kindness is something you don't see all the time, especially not in Australia. Not being a westernized country either made it really interesting. Like, it's completely different over there. I saw like one kid just wheeling around a barrel of dirt and he was like six or something and he was literally just working with his family. And I was just, it was just astounding, like, such a surreal feeling and moment to see. And it was, yeah, it really changed my perspective. After that, we went through the Sahara and There was one other night that really changed and taught me gratefulness. We're all just sitting on the sand dunes in the Sahara looking at the night sky and the nomads who took us around the desert said, someone asked them a question and said, so are you happy? And they said, of course. We've got this beautiful place we get to see every night. We get to meet new people. We get to teach lessons and see people embrace our beautiful country. And we have camels and tents and food and love and laughter. Why be unhappy? And it was just, it was crazy. People get so caught up in having all the little things, all the materialistic things, but they never really think about being grateful for what they have in life. You go outside, you see the sky for free. You connect with friends and family members and you create experiences, but we're so caught up in wanting the next big thing, like a phone or new, um, 
a new car or whatever it may be, that we forget to embrace the present moment. That's when I really learned about gratefulness. That was at the end of 2017. I ended up seeing 26 countries and three continents. As um, I f- was flying back to Australia, the plan was to move up to the Sunshine Coast to be with my partner at the time. At the time, we were fighting a lot. We were two different people in two different stages of our life, so it was definitely going to end eventually. But I was so in love that I didn't see it. We lived together in the Sunshine Coast for a few months. I searched for work for a very long time, and I ended up starting my Uh, health and fitness business up again on the coast I thought it was going to be okay we were going to make it I was going to get myself uh, job wise back on track but one afternoon I went home and she was sitting in the kitchen and she said I just don't love you anymore at that present moment after being with the second real relationship I ever had in life. It felt like my heart had been shattered into a million pieces. I felt lost, I felt worthless, and I felt like I didn't know where I was going to do ever again. I'm really glad that it happened, though, because she could see what I wasn't looking at, and that's that. It wasn't going to work. We were two different people on two different paths. So I can only be so grateful that she made that hard decision. The next few months were really hard. For the first two weeks, I was homeless. Um, She let me borrow her car, but I had no home to go. I couldn't call a home lying, and driving around in your ex-partner's car can only really remind you of that you're alone every day. It was astounding I just felt like I'd failed. I felt like I could have done more and but the thing was that I couldn't. I was busting my ass working 12 to 16 hour days and I chose my business over her. I'd rather pick working towards a dream than being unhappy. The next few months were hard. It was like a grieving process all over again. It was really interesting in the first two weeks though because I was lucky enough that I had a friend up here um, who had a house that I could stay at for a bit. I slept in his roommate's um, child's bedroom uh, in the kids bed um, while the child was away with uh, her mother and I just remember sleeping on this bed and I was just like fuck this shit like this is rock bottom fucking again I'm not going to be here again I refuse to be in this situation again and after that I still very emotional every day clients knew something was up I looked like shit Um, I felt like shit and I wasn't sleeping I was just working every day until 
one day I um, lost feeling in half my body, like a numbness, uh, tingling sensation, and no one really knows what it was. I could only assume it was some kind of mini stroke or just a high build of cortisol in my body, but it was a really scary moment for me because I they called the ambulance. I couldn't lift myself up. I had heart palpitations. Um, I was sweating. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't even lift myself onto the ambulance bed. And I remember as I was having this episode in the gym of my body just shutting down and I was just trying to calm myself. We got into the the ambulance um, and we were halfway to the hospital and I was like, it's got really emotional and started thinking like, fuck, I don't want to die. I actually thought I was going to die at that moment. Like I felt, I was like, fuck, this is it. I've got no one here. I, I literally have no one. What happens if I die? I can't keep working myself into a grave, but I can't keep being unhappy. I need to find my balance. So after um, I was lucky enough to be picked up by a friend at the hospital, stupidly enough went back to work to work the next day and didn't tell anyone, uh, any of my clients. After that, um, I decreased my work hours and took some time to find my balance again. In 2016, I thought about travel fit. I created the idea of travel fit and I based my life on travel fit. It's 2019 and travel fit's been created on mind, body and soul. Mind in the sense of mindset training, soul in the sense of body, so training and nutrition and soul in the sense of travel. If I didn't fix my mindset, seeing that psychologist and working on myself, I would have been dead. If I didn't keep working out and building more mental resilience, I would have been dead. And if I didn't travel and realize how beautiful the world is, I would have been dead. I want to save a million lives. I want to create a community around the world where people can be open, honest, experience new things, go surfing, exchange language, connect with people. And I want to build 10 mind and body retreats around the world to help build and educate better humans so that we can create a snowball effect all around the world. That's where I was that's where I am now and that's where I want to be that's travel fit and that's why it was created that is who Chris Walker is and that's what travel fit is thanks so much for listening um, that was really hard for me personally um, but I really hope it's inspired of 
a few of you to take initiative to work on yourself mentally and physically and take opportunities that come in front of you. Go traveling, take up a business idea, um, check up on friends, ask on if they're okay. And that's the first ever episode for In Progress. Thanks so much, guys. Show some love by liking, commenting, and sharing with friends. There's someone out there that needs to hear this and needs to be inspired.